sharing huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite of the conditions he won in Lords. Rain soaked Lords. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time of Lawrence Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. How's it and welcome back. This is Moving the Needle Podcast. And if you're new to the show, I am Andrew Needling, your host. Thanks so much for downloading this episode. I wanted to give a shout out to Miko from Instagram. He sent me some really nice messages about the previous episode. So thanks to him and all of you that send messages to me. He said that previous episode with Grant Lottering really touched him. He'd had to admit that he even needed a paper towel or two while listening. You really have great, inspiring guests on your podcast. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, make sure you do that. I know it's not a huge name in, say, the sport of mountain biking or downhill, but I wanted to branch out. I want to bring you guys some people you maybe haven't heard of, but that can inspire you. He survived death with a crazy road cycling accident in Italy. He's got such an inspirational story. He was told he will never ride a bicycle again. Well, he's done just that, and he's gone on to be an endurance extreme cyclist, and he's raising funds for charity. He's quit his corporate job. Just an amazing story all around. But guys, you didn't come to this podcast to hear me babbling on. I've got two-time world downhill mountain biking champion, Mr. G. Atherton, he always inspired me, he always just, I couldn't believe how determined and dedicated he was, super hard worker, he always trained hard, and uh, I recorded this episode quite a long time ago, um, and then we released a schedule one with him, so I thought I'd hold this one back, so guys, without further ado, please enjoy this episode with G. Atherton. Alright, podcasters, I've managed to grab G. Atherton, how are you doing today? Yes, mate. Very good. Good to be on here. I appreciate it. It's been it's been way too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's cool to see you doing these needles. Actually, that's yeah, it's a cool idea. I like it. I appreciate that. I um, somehow came up with a name myself, even though I'm not creatively inclined, and uh, it's <laughs> so that's a start. But it is. It's 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 about characters uh, that are moving the needle, and that to me means pushing the sport. <laughs> We can't think about who's pushed the sport without having you on. So uh, I'm excited oh, excited to dig in, dig into the mind a bit because now you can tell me things. I'm not a competitor, so you're not giving anything away to me. Yeah, I can tell you all the secrets now. Yeah, I love it. And I, and I think your secrets won't really help even me when I was racing, actually, because everyone's so, so different. I don't think I have any secrets. I don't think, you know, everyone was always asking that. Everyone always wants to know the little, like, you know, the, the secret to racing. And I don't think really there is one. It's like everyone used to wonder what was in Nico Voyer's water was the joke, you know. I wonder what he's drinking yeah, to yeah. go that crazy fast. <laughs> yeah, no, so, well, he knows. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's the Red Bull. I know you're not, not scared of a Red Bull. Yeah, that's it. That's no secret, though. Everyone knows that's the good stuff. <laughs> the good stuff. And a cup of tea. I know you're not scared of a cup of tea, a brew. I've got a cup of tea going on right now. Got a, got a, got a, I could do the fresh brew, actually. It's kind of running low, but I'll, I'll hold out. I can wait. What's an average per day? Tea, probably mm, two in the morning, and then a midday lunchtime brew as well, probably. So not too bad, pretty chilled. I have a weird two in the morning as well. I'll have one kind of as a habit, and then before I know it, I've made another one almost back to back. Yeah. Yeah, I need that. But I'm not I'm not big on the coffee scene, so you know, if I'm having coffees as well, I'll I'll pull back a bit on the tea. 
And would you drink a bit of coffee at the races for a, a caffeine kick, or are you getting that from your Red Bull? No, I'll normally have a coffee at the races, yeah. I think, you know, it's a tricky one with the racing. I think you need to be you need to be sharp and you need to be ready for, you know, those practice days and those time training days. But then I feel a little bit like you need to save it and you need to kind of balance it out. So, you know, I'll normally save the Red Bull for the for race day, ready for ready for the big guns. So do you wean yourself off so you've kind of not built up an intolerance to caffeine? Um, no, because, you know, you're racing so much in the season, it's it's on and on. It's it's go, go, go. So I'm, I'm not too bad there. Well, um... I, I think some of your secret is your training and your preparation. I mean, that that's definitely pushed a lot of riders. I think that motivated me back when I was riding, seeing uh, I knew G was training, so I better get my ass in the gym. <laughs> where, where did that come from? I mean, it wasn't always like that. I've, I've seen pictures of you, pretty scrawny guy, uh, you know, at the British Nationals back when you guys were racing. Yeah, I think I, I would say the training and stuff, like everything really came about from from mine and my brother's just passion of racing, you know, it wasn't that we loved to go to the gym and it wasn't that we loved to go on, on road rides or, you know, any of this, we just loved racing and that's always been the case. And, you know, early on we would, we would just spend every waking hour just, you know, how can we go faster? How can we, how can we do better at the races? You know, watching all the videos, watching what the, the, the pros were doing, you know, what was, what was Petey doing? What was Will Longman doing? what was Warner doing and, and you know we would just be we would just be trawling through everything you know how can we go faster how can we how can we be better racers and you know the the training just came about from that yeah so it was a byproduct from trying to get to the top of the sport how early how early on did you and Athi kind of talk about say winning races or being at, getting to the level that you guys got um i think it was you know it wasn't something we you know, when we first started doing races and first started doing World Cups, we weren't really training. We were just riding a lot and we were just, we were just kind of, we were just doing our thing, you know, the same as anyone that age. And I think, I think it takes a bit of time at races and at World Cups to start to see, you know, there's no use someone telling you to train and, and just telling you that you should train. You need to see why you should train and realize, you know, the reasons behind it. Otherwise you, you don't get into it. And I think, I think it took a bit of time for us to be at races and and kind of seeing what everyone else was doing and seeing some races us not doing well and, and some races that we did do well. Then we started to kind of figure out slowly what what would help at races and what would work. And you kind of start to put together this little kind of blueprint as to what it takes to, to do well. So early on, I mean, that, that win at Schladming, would you say that was basically all the riding and bike skill? Was there a lot of fitness and training back then or were you relying a lot on on your riding of the bike oh no that was pure that was all just riding you know i, I wasn't really trained i'm sure i was doing something i don't even remember really but i'm you know i was just riding and i was just kind of out with athy we just ride every day and whether it was dirt jumps or bmx's at skate parks on the downhill stuff we would just be riding a lot and you know i won that race because i was just comfortable i was i was enjoying myself i just felt down the hill you know top to bottom and popped out the bottom and the guys tell me I've won a World Cup and it, you know there was no kind of great master plan behind it you know there was no intense training regime that kind of worked out it was it was just you know 17 year old me tumbling down a hill and popping out the bottom it seems like simpler times in a way and, and how I wish yeah. the sport had maybe <laughs> stayed <laughs> oh for sure yeah yeah definitely but you know a lot of our training and a lot of 
a lot of the stuff we started to do and still have to do now comes from recovering injuries and trying to avoid injuries. And that was quite a that was quite a key point in my career. You know, when I started to realise that, when you start to realise, shit, I've got to have another two months off of racing now because I've broken this or damaged that. And you know, perhaps if I was a bit stronger, a bit tougher, I would have bounced off the floor and, and been fine. Um, you know, it's it's those kind of things that you learn along the way that kind of start to to mould you into the, the the person that you you become. I think. So you you mentioned about injuries. Would you attribute some of those insane crashes and bouncing off the floor physically? I mean, you've been releasing a little bit on your Instagram, and I'm a little bit shocked at watching them, even though I was at some of those events. <laughs> so it sounds like you're attributing a lot of your injury prevention as well as um, not getting as injured to how hard you prefer, prepare, how hard you train in the gym. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, a huge amount of the training that I do do is because is because of that, you know, and it's always been the case. You know, we, we learned quite early on that if you're a bit tougher and a bit a bit stronger, then you could have bigger crashes. And, you know, I, I think I realized quite early on that, you know, my career was going to be abundant with big crashes. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a rarity for me to be slamming myself into the floor. And I, I, I realized quite early on that, you know, it was either a case of learn to deal with the crashes or, or pull things back a bit and calm things down a little bit. And, you know, a young, a young guy getting into downhill racing, you're never going to be like, right, I need to calm things down. I, I need to, I need to chill out a bit so I don't hurt myself. You know, that's not even an option, is it? So it was more a case, right, how can I deal with these crashes? Well, no, no. When you're a youngster, you're not even thinking about them. You, you're thinking, as you said, going fast. And, and a crash just happens and then you deal with it then. But it sounds like you did make a conscious thought going, <laughs> okay, well, I'm clearly going to crash and I don't want to go any slower, so I better figure this out. That's actually, <laughs> maybe you are uh, kind of older than you were kind of in your head, you know. That's, that's showing some experience back then to think like that. Yeah, well, I've always, I, I guess, you know, when I was a youngster and I was racing, you know, I was just another dumb kid, you know, racing down a mountain, but also I was quite good at, at looking at things and saying, right, why did that happen? How could I have changed that? How could I make it better? And, you know, I think that was, that was something I've always done in my career. And, you know, my brother and, and parents taught me to do getting into the racing, you know, it was, it was always a kind of, it was always quite a key thing to try and learn from the, the dumb stuff I'd done. And, you know, that was, that's definitely helped me along the way. You know, I, I, I definitely have survived a lot of big crashes because I've kind of given myself the best chance of being able to walk away from them. Well, I mean, yeah, you've been very reflective and that's, that's nice to hear. Have you got one that stands out as the dumbest thing you've done? Obviously you've had some big <laughs> crashes pushing yourself, but maybe there's one where you were like, that was stupid even attempting that. Yeah. There've been so many injuries that I've, that I've had from stupid things, you know, that, you know, I've had some massive crashes trying big stuff, either, you know, at World Cups or at Rampage or, you know, filming stuff, you know, enormous crashes. And I've been, luckily, you know, to be okay pretty much. And then I've had other crashes where I've just been dicking around doing something stupid and then, you know, written myself off. So, it, yeah, I don't know. The snow crash is, a, is one that everyone's seen as a, a kind of, you know, I, I didn't regret that. It wasn't a stupid thing to do. It was just, I just misjudged it. And, obviously on video and in hindsight it looks you know like i got it really wrong but at the time it was just a, a little miscalculation but you know 
all those big crashes, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm never, I've never been like kicking myself about them. I've never been in a position where I'm like, shit, I wish I hadn't done that because this make you who they are, really. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen that crash and it's, I think right, people at home don't realize probably how difficult it is to judge when you're on snow and everything's white and you've got a lip. So I wouldn't call that dumb. I mean, you did fall out of a wheelbarrow behind a four-wheeler or something, didn't you, and get pretty hurt? Oh, how did you hear about that? Did I tell Wasn't you that? No. <laughs> well, I mean, it's so long ago. I don't think any sponsors are going to be pissed now. So was it in one of the videos. Maybe Clay told me, and now I know, I know when to bring these things up. You know, you're not going to get in trouble now. No. Well, that was exactly what we did. We'd, we'd strapped a, a wheelbarrow behind a quad, and we were racing around the field, someone driving it, and I was in this wheelbarrow. And inevitably, I just got flung out of the thing and ragdolled across the dirt and like ripped my shoulder apart. <laughs> this was like early in the season, and the World Cups were coming up, and I was thinking, oh, "How am I going to explain this to everyone?" <laughs> <laughs> but I I remember seeing you um, when we were doing, you know, we we're flipping a bit, and you you learned to flip, and then you started flipping. I don't know if we flipped at races much, but I know you flipped a horrible step down during. I want to say it was an MBUK shoot. And it was yeah, that's pre-season right. yeah. or something. I couldn't believe how stupid or scary that flip was and why you were doing that. Yeah, that was those MBUK trips. We used to go away with MBUK, you know, this, the, the British Mountain Bike magazine. And um, and they would take a bunch of riders away, you know, PT and Warner and those guys. And then a bunch, of, a bunch of youngsters as well, you know, me and my brother and then a load of others. And And the trip was just get as much, you know, content as possible. But it was basically those guys seeing what they could peer pressure the youngsters into doing. You know, uh, is that what it start. was? And I would just be, I would just be open to that. You know, I would, I would be looking at this step down, and and then someone would suggest it, and I'd try and flip it, and you know, I'd pile my face into the floor, and <laughs> that's just the way those trips went. You know, if those trips didn't finish with me getting a concussion and laying in a Spanish hospital, then it wasn't a good trip. No, and I'm sure PD and the likes of those guys enjoyed it, but I can just picture you being there kind of, hey, I'm going to prove it or I'm going to show up these old guys, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it inevitably ended in me getting smashed into the floor. <laughs> and, how much gro- <laughs> <laughs> and how much growing up did, did Athy push you? I mean, it seems like you guys pushed each other, pushed each other. I know me and my brother didn't, I mean, we were not out, outwardly competitive, but I think inside, if he did something, I was for damn sure going to do it. Yeah, I think I think with me and Dan, it's always been, you know, he's always been the one that's got me into the racing, shown me how to do it, talked me through it, you know. And we were, you know, we were the same. We were the same, you know. We weren't competitive. It wasn't like me trying to outdo him or vice versa. It would be more, you know, if, if he hit a jump, I know that I could do it. And, you know, if he, if he thought I could do something, he'd talk me into it. And we would always just work through stuff together. And there was never any, like, really com- competitive street between us it was more just that kind of that that stoke factor of riding with your brother and riding with your mate when when he's doing something cool and you suddenly think right let's do that as well you know and that would be that would be massive for me because that just that just pushed us along that just pushed us along you know one of us would be nervous about something the other one would say no it's it's on you know and and it when we would just kind of work through stuff together whether we were at home filming racing anything really yeah, and I mean, we spoke about these knocks that you've taken. Uh, bouncing back physically, I mean, I think when you set a goal in place and you want to get back to the races, can you talk a bit about the mentality to bounce back from injuries? Maybe when you were younger and now 
currently bouncing back mentally and, and trying to get to back to the top of the field? Yeah, I think um, I think the the return from injuries thing is something people always ask about because you know it's something obviously a lot of people struggle with, and you know the nature of our sport is that those injuries are inevitable, and I think for me. You know, I've always put injuries in two categories. It's been the ones that you just, you know, you get, you think, oh, you know, damn it, wish I wish I didn't have it, but it's happened. You know, I've I've taken a tumble, popped a shoulder out, I've broken this or that. And then you just straight away you start the process of, you know, the recovery, the healing, the the rehab, and then the you know, how soon can I get back on a bike? And they're they're no problem, you know. I'm I'm everyone deals with those and everyone deals with them the same. But then the ones that are trickier, the ones that that come at you a little bit harder you know a little bit more aggressive you know there's been crashes that that come around every now and then where where you go down hard and you go down in a in a quite an unpleasant way you know you you and you get a horrible injury and it's you know the follow-up to the injury is horrific you know you lay on the floor for a long time it's hard to get you off a mountain you know the the injury is just just not a not a pleasant situation and you know, it, it, they're the ones that stay with you longer and they're the ones that take longer to come back from and they're the ones that are really important to, to process and, you know, face and find a way to kind of say, right, that's happened for this reason. You know, it's done this to me and this is what I'm going to do to come back from it. You know, they're the ones that, that, that take a lot more to get over and a lot, a lot kind of more to process and work your way through. And have you got some examples of that process of, of one of those that potentially you've been on the ground? And I, I would uh, assume, or you tell me if you've had thoughts of, you know what, maybe this isn't for me anymore. Has that Number one, has that thought popped into your head? Because I know when I've been on the ground, I've thought, oh, I don't know if this is for me, but I've obviously got rid of that thought and, and made peace with it. And then a direct process of getting through it back to confidence. Yeah, a few years ago, I crashed at Fort William British round. And, you know, I'd, I'd been there a weekend, great weekend. I'd just gone to the new 29er. Um, I'd, I'd won qualifying, you know, just ahead of Danny at Fort William. And race run come round, and I said, right, I'm, I'm going to go at it. I'm going to go at this hard. And hit the first jump in my race run, and the bat wheel hit me in the ass, kicked me, and I just got thrown up and over and slammed into the floor on the backside, which, you know, Fort William in the summer is just like concrete. And, you know, I went down hard, knocked myself out, dislocated my hip, broke some vertebrae. And I'm just like laying this heap on the floor thinking, oh, I've, I've fucked this one. And I, I, I try and stand up and my hips dislocated, hanging out of his socket, you know, off a mad angle. I'm like spinning because I've no idea what's going on. And I'm on the floor for a long time. You know, it's, it takes me an hour to get off the mountain. And, you know, in that time, I'm like, I'm going to shock a little bit. I'm like, I'm like shaking and cold. And, you know, there's guys there with me just waiting for the medics to, to get me. And I remember, I remember getting onto my front cause I know, you know, if you dislocate a shoulder, sometimes you, you pull it down and forward and you can pop it back in. And I think, right, I'm going to try this with my hip and shit. I nearly passed out, you know, pulling on this hip. I didn't do anything. I just fell back in a heap <laughs> So they get me to hospital, they take me, you know, a few hours, they get me to hospital, load me into an ambulance, take me to one hospital, no, we can't do anything for you here, load me back into an ambulance, two-hour drive to this next hospital up in Inverness, they get me out, you know, it was out for six hours in the end. And by oh, this that's time I'm brutal. Going, 
I'm going into the, the theatre for an operation thinking, you know, this is me, I'm done, I'm, I'm overriding, I'm not doing this to myself anymore, it's, it's not worth it. And that was a big one, you know, that took a long time to, you know, I was in hospital, I had to, I had to you know, that was a big rehab, it was, it was a tricky one to get back from really. Yeah, that's brutal hearing it, and and I do remember seeing seeing that. Well, not physically seeing the crash, but hearing about it and some of the pictures and stuff. And it really is to the point that maybe has has knocked you. And I don't think anyone, unless they're in that moment on the ground and you're consciously trying to get a hit back in, can even think about the emotions and and processes process those emotions. No, it's a it's a horrible one because it's. It's not just, you know, normally an injury, you're gutted because it means you're going to miss racing for six weeks and it's going to be six weeks off the bike doing what you love. But then sometimes, you know, with something like that, you're, you're on the floor and you think, oh, I fucked, I fucked my body up, you know. As an athlete, you're proud of your body and you're proud of what you've achieved and, you know, you, you're kind of, your physical aspect is, you know, something you create and work hard for and you lay on the floor looking at yourself thinking, you know, I'm, I'm all bust up here. I'm all snapped up. You know, my body's is not going to work again. And you're thinking, why have I done this to myself? You know, it's quite a, it's a horrible thing to go through, and it's not a it's it's a tricky thing to just you know ignore that. And coming back from that, uh, it seems like a process. And when you get your mind around and you're feeling a bit better, then you prepare to come back to ride a bicycle. Does that keep you going? Is that what motivates you to ride again is that process to get back to what you were. Yeah, you know, it takes, I think, you know, you have to go through that that first period of, of just saying you're not going to race again and you're not going to ride again because that's a coping mechanism. You know, that's that's your way of, of getting through the following, you know, 24, 48 hours. You tell yourself that you won't do it to yourself again and, and, and that's your way of dealing with it. You know, that's your head's way of saying, right, this has happened, but it's not going to happen again. So it's not so bad. And you tell yourself that, and that's why you decide you're never going to race and ride again. Um, you know, a few days pass, a week passes and you are starting to, you're, you're okay with it. You know, you've, you've, you've made yourself okay with the situation. And of course, then it's right. When can I, when can I ride again? And for me to come back from that injury, you know, I had to have something to work towards. So my goal was to race again that season, you know, and everyone said that it wouldn't happen. And the doctors said, no, better to leave it some time. But I knew, you know, for, for me personally, I needed to have that that goal of racing that season to force myself back. And, and I managed it. That's a brilliant lesson to the listeners at home is, is trying to set something and, and aim for it. Whether you achieve it or not, it'll still get you out day to day doing your rehab for yourself or someone else is trying to work back from whatever injury or whatever setback. It sounds like you need yeah, to find sure. find goals within reason to get you back. Yeah, you do. And, you know, that was that was a good example of, you know, I could have just let that injury recover slowly in the time I needed and then, you know, chilled that season and then given myself the off season and slowly worked my way back. But I know that wouldn't work for me. You know, I know I needed to rush it and force it back and, I came back to the racing, you know, not as strong and not as fit and, and not really quite ready, but it helped me, it helped me recover and it gave me something to work towards. And, you know, as a, as a, a human being, you need that, you know, you have to push yourself and force yourself into those situations. 
Well, you're definitely a rider that pushes your limits and the limits of the sport. I mean, what drives you to compete at an event like Rampage? And for the listeners at home, Google it if you have no idea what Rampage is, because it's one of the most ridiculous events in the world and in any sporting calendar, you know? Uh, just because I enjoy it, I'd say, you know, just because it's fun. And you enjoy flying off cliffs? Yeah, it's always been something, you know, me and Athi have, have, have been into and just building big stuff and building big gaps and drops and, you know, been at Rampage, having this whole whole mountainside to build what you want and, and do what you want is, is cool. I love the idea of it. You know, I think it's an amazing concept and, you know, I think it's a sick event. There's something about that, that, that nervousness and getting over the fear. And, and when you accomplish one of those big jumps, and I'm not comparing myself to you or any of those guys, but some of the dark fist stuff, I kind of, it, it finally clicked. And I think when I was younger, I used to push myself and want to jump stuff first and jump bigger stuff. And then I got maybe a bit wiser. Um, and then uh, those dark fist jumps made me realize, shit, that's why these guys keep going back to Rampage. And then every year pushing it maybe a bit bigger or the bigger cliff, you know? Yeah, and it's uh, you know, you know, you've 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 raced for years and you've you've ridden a long time, and you know what that that feeling of of setting yourself a challenge, you know, figuring out a way to kind of overcome it and then doing it and being successful. You know what an amazing feeling that is. You know what a, what a, that's what we're that's what we're built for, isn't it? It's a rather addictive feeling, I must say, and it's dangerous if it's not managed. But it really is. And Palmer's had some brilliant quotes about it when he was winning races. But I think pushing yourself. You feel alive. You really do when you when you accomplish that jump that you're really nervous for, and you could easily talk yourself out of it, and your life would be really no different. No one would actually judge you, but once you do it, yeah, that feeling is not many other feelings come close. Yeah, I think it is. You know, and that's that's why the majority of people do it. You know, that that personal kind of that personal satisfaction. Yeah, you get, you know, you might get coverage and you might get paid more and you might get, you know, more videos and, and more coverage like from that stuff. But the reason why you do it is because you love it. And, and that, like you say, you know, that feeling is addictive and, you know, it's a strong feeling that. No, it absolutely is. And uh, what's interesting now, I want to speak to you, I've obviously witnessed your riding style and it's becoming more and more unique when I'm sitting in the, the commentary booth and uh, you, you one that uh, is you're obviously aggressive, and you drop your foot a lot while you're cornering in, in most styles of cornering, and, and a lot of riders don't. Is that something that developed riding in those tricky British Welsh conditions? Yeah, it's, I think so. Yeah, and you know, people do ask me about that, and I, I, I think it's just from growing up in in slippery, wet, muddy tracks. You know, we ride a lot of those. You know, especially over winter. You're always riding stuff that's just messy, and, and you learn to ride with quite a defensive riding style. You know, you're not you're not riding that kind of on the front attacking position because it doesn't really work in those conditions. So I, I think that kind of defensive style has come about from always riding, you know, messy, slippery, dark, wet Welsh tracks. And that style obviously related well to back uh, when Schladming was raw, and some of the tracks uh, get a bit of flack for becoming easier i don't really think they're necessarily maybe they're a bit easier to ride but not easier to go fast what's your thoughts on how the the tracks have progressed and you've progressed with them winning and doing great on on any type of track i think um yeah i think those i think those tracks that we used to race on you know those natural european tracks where they they look like they just take the course out the day before and they're rooty and loamy and and quite raw you know they were 
they were quite unique to kind of that period of, of World Cups a long time ago. And, you know, we don't really see as much of that now. And I do, I, you know, I do think that's a shame because you definitely lose an element of, of what that kind of challenged the riders to. Um, you know, the more, the more man-made style tracks, they're not as, you know, they're not as exciting. They're not as dynamic, I think. And, you know, I, I do think that's a shame, but I, I accept that that's the kind of the way that it's naturally just progressed, I guess. Yeah, it's almost a shame that they can't incorporate some of it, even if it's off some of the, the camera angles or, or have them thrown in. I still think there's an element that you could include. And um, obviously coverage is getting better and better and the sport is growing. So I wouldn't say change it back because you've got to progress. But it would be nice to see some of those and kind of those raw routy tracks and a lot of where bike handling skills or just getting through a section within reason is also key. Yeah, I think it's tricky, isn't it? You know, we, you and I will, will will talk about those and look at those from you know the pure kind of bike rider inside us, and and that's the kind of the element that's always going to be strongest. But at the same time, you have to try and rationalise it and say, yeah, you know, the sport is growing. You know, you need to be able to have a track that's accessible to people and camera crews, and you know that whole side of it is, it's one of those things, and you know, you know, there's a reason to it, but at the same time, you'd love to just see a, a, a steep, muddy, slippery raw track again just just for the crack yeah and um talk a bit about developing the atherton bike and and building a bike brand you're a family that that invests in yourself you've got the gym you've got this bike park i want to dig into but what's really interesting is is how challenging it must have been to develop a bike and train and test and get ready for a world cup season yeah it was um it was you know it was an idea that was in the pipeline for quite a long time you know atherton bikes was something we've talked about uh, with Dan and with Rach and everyone just kind of throwing the ideas around and it's always been something that's kind of popped up but we've never really seen ourselves in a position where it could happen and you know it's never really you know we've never seen those steps that we'd be able to take for it to kind of fall into place but the, you know last year it was it was suddenly something that was it became possible you know we 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 were in touch with the right people. We were in the right situation. It was. It felt like the timing was, you know, not perfect because it never would be perfect. But it was, it was suddenly possible, and and suddenly it was within our reach. And we thought, you know what, this is, you know, we need to do this. You know, it's it's, it's tricky. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But why not? You know, let's let's try it. Let's let's give it a go. And and I'm stoked we did. It was it's it's early days you know it's only a year in but it's it's such a cool project and everyone loves it you know we all really enjoy doing it and you know it's a mad amount of work but we're with a good bunch of guys and i think everyone everyone is is kind of really into what we're doing and what's been the biggest challenge to date would you say um probably the prep for world cups you know if you if we was if we were starting this without the kind of pressure of world cups there we could just let it happen and we could just work through it in our own time. And, and when the bikes were ready, the bikes would be ready. But when you've got a World Cup season coming at you, you know, that date of that first World Cup is there and it's set in stone and it's just a ticking clock. You know, you're just, you're just counting down the minutes working towards it. And, you know, all this stuff that you have to get ready for, it has to be done. You know, you have to, you know, that World Cup's going to happen on that date, no matter what. And, you have to be ready with a bike that's not just rideable but but competitive and you know a, a bike that's going to be taken on a world cup season is you know it's got to be a, a bloody good bike 
It's a courageous effort. I, I commend you guys trying to launch a bike as well as, as a race. Has that helped with your motivation or keeping you motivated? Yeah, for sure. It's a, it adds a whole new element, you know. It adds a new a new direction for us all. And, you know, we've always been with sponsors developing bikes and it's always been something we've talked about how it's a, a strange feeling. But, you know, you're with a company for a few years, you're putting your heart and soul into it, you know, all those extra hours, all that kind of development and feedback and, and, and time spent really trying to make this bike better and, and racking your brain to how you can make it. You know, you throw everything into that as an athlete and a few years later, you know, you, you leave that sponsor, you, you, you might, you might move on. And, and that's kind of it all, you know, I wouldn't say it's a waste, but I, you, you kind of want to hang on to a little bit of that and to suddenly be developing bikes for ourselves is, is quite cool. You know, we're, we feel like we're, we're, we can build bikes that we'd want to ride and, you know, build them in a way that we'd want them to be. And, and that's quite a, an amazing feeling really. So it sounds like it is one of the driving forces that all that knowledge you've learned and effort you put in, you want to see something hopefully in the long run for it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, also I think it's a case of, well, we've, we've, we've spent years of our lives, you know, learning what makes bikes what good and, you know, what, what works and what doesn't work. And, and, and we've always wanted, you know, the idea behind Athen bikes was to build bikes that we would have, would have ridden, you know, and that's, it's not just as, you know, world cup athletes now, but, at different stages of our careers as well. You know, we want to build bikes that we would have ridden as, you know, Groms when we were younger or, you know, when we just wanted to go on a trail bike or, or you know, we want to build bikes at all these different stages of, of our lives that we would have liked to have, you know. And it's quite cool to have that opportunity to do it. Yeah, almost leave a legacy. And I think uh, your family's history and the racing together has been well documented. And I don't think we need to dig too much into that. And you guys were the only family that's won a four cross, a downhill, male and female, all at one venue back in Endora. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys <laughs> do you guys talk about that if you're you know reminiscing about the racing? No, not at all. You know, I don't think I've ever sat down with Afi and Rach and talked about you know the the, the days of racing. I don't think it's ever something we've done. <laughs> it's only ever something we talk about you know in interviews or media stuff. You know, I don't think I've ever sat down with Afi and, and talked about our, our racing days. Oh, well, then uh, that's interesting to hear. But something you probably haven't told the media, and I've always been curious about it, and you don't have to give away too many details, but how do you decide among the family who gets paid what? Well, this is, um, you know, this is an interesting thing from quite early on in our careers because we started Atherton Racing because we were we were in a position where we were trying to figure out a way to be on the same team all the time. And, you know, people would come at us with different offers and, and there was always a kind of an element of, should we stay on the same team? Should we go to different teams and, and split things up a bit? And we would always want to stay together and ride together and, and be on the same team. So we were thought, right, we'll start our own team. And, you know, inevitably that, that kind of, as it always does, brings, you know, new pressures and stresses and, and extra work. But I think, um, you know, it's just something we've, we've been able to do because we're all so close, you know, you know, the thought of me and Athi arguing over something we disagreed on is, 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 you know, unheard of. And me and Rach Bicker and squabble about stuff, but it's never big stuff. And, you know, we're, a, we're, we're quite a tight bunch. We're quite a tight family. And Dan, Rach and I have always been that way. And, you know, it's, it's just something 
we've we have this ability to just kind of be able to sit down together and make plans and work stuff out and in a way that feels like it works out well for us that's brilliant um i've i've launched a bike shop with a brother and a partner and i think i always try put that at the top of the list within reason is you know we're brothers we're family and the partner as well we're all trying to work together is that something I think is kind of maybe the number one rules, family first, and, and then the rest need to get figured out, you know, and not get ahead of that? It is, yeah, definitely. And, you know, well, you you know this, that, you know, that you you have a trust with your family, don't you? You know, you can trust your, your brother, you can trust your sister in a different way, you can trust other people. and And also you can be honest with them as well, you know, you can be kind of, you can be brutal about stuff and, and you can kind of really, really lay into, you know, a tricky situation knowing that no one's going to walk away from it. No one's going to be, you know, say, right, this isn't for me and, and turn their back on it. You know, you know, your family and you know, you've kind of got each other's backs and it's quite nice. You know, I feel like we're lucky to be in a situation where we can do this stuff together. I think so as well. I mean, it, it comes with its own challenges, but I mean, I had my brother on the circuit with me as as a mechanic, and we didn't have the best result. But I John, think, what a boy! Yeah, yeah, I don't think I said to him while we're doing it afterwards, even when we had going through some tough kind of technical stuff with the some products, and we weren't getting any of the results that we knew we could. But I said to him, you know what? I think we went. You know, when you ride down Leo Gang and you go for your little warm down, and you could see yeah. we were both just despondent. I said to him, you know what? In ten years we're not even going to remember if we got a good result or not, but we're going to remember these times, you know, the times on the road and the, say it's an after party or a, a joke yeah, here and there, an inside it? joke. Yeah, it's very true. So I, I alluded to some of the untold stories and I'm sure you've got thousands with your family, but we might not want to share too many of them. But uh, have you got any other untold stories? I, I, uh, drop the bomb on the the wheelbarrow one have you got anything else from the road or something that people don't know that happened before a race where you still performed something of those sorts um well hundreds I, I feel like vehicles has always been quite a an issue with 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 dan and i you know my brother has this in an he's has this super ability to just write vehicles off you know i don't know how or what what possesses him. i don't think he means to you know he's quite a chilled out person it's not like he's got this like thuggish streak in him but he just has this kind of reckless ability to be able to just fuck up a hire car or, or own vehicles and, <laughs> have you <laughs> got a story car. that comes to mind oh just ve- just vehicles you know in general i remember years ago we were sponsored by a clothing company they'd you know been nice enough to give me a van and you know i remember I remember the thing ending up on its roof, smashed into a hedge cutter on a back Welsh road, you know, the thing just completely written off. I remember my brother just turning higher cars over, you know, clipping curbs, flipping, just just endless kind of accidents in a way, you know. You know, if someone looked at it and they would say, you know, these aren't accidents, you've been idiots, but they weren't. They're all genuine accidents, you know. It's all just a, you know, a little misunderstandings here and there, but a the, misunderstanding the, with the curb. The amount of times it seems to have happened and the things that have, have happened to them. Yeah. He's, but he is a chilled out guy. And when you chat to him and hang out with him, he, he's not malicious at all. So it's just like a little bit of harmful fun and then maybe he gets excited in a vehicle. Yeah. Maybe his skill on a vehicle is just not what it needs to be and yours is better, you know? 
I don't know. I don't think it's that. I think it's just a case of, you know, him. I think he's just a, a really chilled out, laid back guy. And he just has this kind of fearlessness inside him that will just allow him to, to try ridiculous things. And, you know, some walks of life he'll take that into and it'll work really well. And some areas of his life he'll take that into and it's just disastrous. <laughs> so Carl's a one of them. What's he like in a digger? Is he safe in a digger when he's building this, this bike park? Yeah, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty handy in a digger. I think there's probably not many boys, you know, to match him in his skill in a digger. He's, he's pretty good with that stuff. He's, he's got, he doesn't have any mechanical sympathy, though. He's quite aggressive on anything mechanical. So when you're not developing Atherton bikes and trying to prepare for World Cup season, you've got your brother building a, a bike park. Talk a little bit about the, the bike park and the plans there. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, thing, actually. It's, it's this enormous area, you know, 650 acres of just this, this Welsh mountain, um, you know, all just a mix of forests. And, and it's a beautiful place, you know. It's, there's streams and little rivers and 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 it's it's an amazing site um you know he he found it and managed to get his hands on it um a few years ago and he's just been building up there with this ever-growing crew of of lads that are, are working with him and developing this bike park you know it's just it's just his dream it's just it's just everything that's in athy's head out you know in laid out in real life for for everyone to to ride and and see so you've been able to acquire the land or have you set up a lease with it no we've managed to 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 to, to own the land ourselves which is cool because that's brilliant but it was one of those things you know early on we we talked about just renting some land and and we all talked about it but you could see everyone's you know everyone faces everyone was thinking the same no one is gonna you know Athi is not one of these people that adheres to you know to rules you know he, he, he's not going to sign a lease contract with an agreement of what he can and can't do and, and stick to it you know if he wants to to rent a 35 ton machine and and build this new downhill track he's going to you know he's he's not going to kind of he's going to do what he wants and he's always been that way and he's always kind of he always will be that way and we knew the only way for this to work was Athy having complete freedom over this area to do what he wants when he wants in in you know in Athy's own way but it seems like that's a, a general theme for the family starting your own team and and kind of going your own path you guys seem set in your not set in your ways but when you believe in something you make that the goal and you go and achieve it yeah and i think you know the driving force behind all that has always been dan you know he's always been the one that's been really good at having these visions you know he's always been he's got this ability to you know, come up with an idea and say, right, this is what I want to do and this is what we're going to do and this is how big it's going to be and 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 just set off towards it. And I've always been quite a details man. I've always, you know, I've always had to see how things could work for me to approach them. You know, I've got to be able to see a step-by-step -step route to something for me to, to take it on. So, you know, we've worked together as, you know, as a family, we, we, we work quite well like that because... You know, he'll come up with a grand, ridiculous ideas and I'll kind of figure out the details and the ways it'll work. And that's always been the, the, way, it's, the, way, it's, the way it's gone. So for someone that's so um, raw with his riding and, and you push the limits, you are, and you, you've brought up a lot of points, you seem a lot more analytical than I think people knew about you. Yeah, I think I've always I've always been that way, and I don't know, you know, it's not a conscious thing. It's It's kind of something that comes quite naturally to me. And you know, I think, I think, as a family, Dan, Rach, and I work well together because we've always, we all have our own kind of 
strengths and weaknesses and they all seem to work well together as a group and I don't know whether that's kind of the way that they've just developed or the way that they just happen to be but you know Dan's always been the one that's you know he's the one that was like right let's start our own race team you know is that even possible who does that that, that was not really something people do and then bang I'm going to start a, a bike park really well no one does that you know that seems like a big thing to take on and a bike company as well that's his idea you know is that gonna, is that a good idea? That's that's a that sounds like a lot of a lot of work to me, and he's he doesn't get put off by those things. So you know, it's my kind of analytical kind of detail side works well with his grand kind of vision side. I think. Yeah, he's the dreamer, and you're almost a little bit of a handbrake. Get a few things in place, and then you guys both go ahead. But I think you have to have both of those sides to become a yeah, success you, and make a success of things. Yeah, you do, and I know you know it's it's if I was on my own just doing these things, I, I would, I would definitely fall foul to, you know, my questioning and, and being, you know, a bit too kind of, how's this going to work? And whether, you know, if Dan was on his own, well, you know, he would be in some ridiculous situation. He couldn't get himself out of that. He, that he'd taken on. And, you know, I think you need to be surrounded by people that kind of work well with you as, as well. Absolutely. So at this stage of your career and, um, You've got a bit of time now to even prepare more for a season. What What is keeping you motivated and what do you feel you still want to achieve? You're a two-time world champion, World Cup overall. I mean, you had one of the craziest podium percentage records in a season or for many years. Um, you know, What's out there for you now? Well, the racing is still a massive drive for me, you know, and, I, and it, always, it always seems to be. You know, I never really... I've never been in a position where I've thought, right, I've, I've done enough now. I, I always I always have this kind of feeling of not quite achieving enough and always needing to, 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 to do more. And I think that's kind of what's driving me with the racing still. Um, you know, obviously I still enjoy the racing. I'm still massively motivated to, to do well. And, you know, that's kind of, that's that's what drives a lot of the other projects we're doing. So, you know, for me, it's, the racing is still a, a huge thing. And, uh, you know, achieving what you did is maybe even, uh, there's pros and cons to it because other people expect and maybe yourself expect to be at the top end of the field. And I'm not saying you you can't be there, but some of the results lately, it must be a challenge for you to compare to what you used to do. I know there's been those injuries. Have you had a think of what needs to happen and what needs to click to get you back on that podium week in, week out? Oh, yeah, all the time. And, you know, that's why I know I'm I'm still enjoying the racing because I'm still you know, if you're just chilling at home and going about your daily life and turning up at a race and, and getting, you know, seeing how it goes, you know, that isn't racing. You know, the racing is when you're at home thinking, right, what do I need to do? What can I do? How can this help? What I could change that? And, you know, I'm, that, I'm still doing that. And, and that's always been the case. And, you know, whether you're winning a World Cup or top 10 or top 20, you know, you still kind of, you're, you still have that same approach and that same kind of drive and that same kind of passion to try and figure out how you can improve yourself I, I remember those days where just it didn't matter if it was off season or season it was just what am I going to do and do you have something to help you shut off from those thoughts to to relax a bit oh yeah for sure you know you have to you have to be able to switch off from it otherwise you know it just burns you up and you know you can't spend every day all day just just thinking how can I go faster at a race because you know I wish I could but I can't do that but yeah, I just, you know, I have loads of distractions and, and you just got to find ways, you know, everyone's different and you have to find what works for you. And I think because I've raced for quite a long time, you know, I've I've learned 
what works, what doesn't work. I, I know when I need to kind of give myself a bit of chill time and, and give myself, you know, a bit of a bit of time to relax. And uh, one of those things being rally driving, uh, do you think your riding experience uh, helps you there? Yeah, I love it. You know, rallying is it, it's fun. It's just it's just it's just another it's just another way to do something you love and, and go fast and and have that kind of that adrenaline fix of, of of doing something that you have to try and overcome. You know, and I've always kind of enjoyed that, whether it's in cars or motorbikes or on a BMX or you know whatever you're doing, you just want to try and see how fast you can go and see how hard you can push something really yeah i mean i did a little bit of driving sam reynolds was out and we did these little um rally cross cars and i must oh, say it, it really felt like downhill but i guess four man downhill because there was you know there was a bunch of cars next to me and it was such a rush to get going so i would imagine you feeling that rush in a car and and uh i i think like predicting the dirt and things must you know, you must get a bit of help from the experience of, of being able to drift a bicycle and things like that. Yeah. I think downhill gives you a, a massive kind of, you know, it's all about, it's all about judging things. You know, it's all about kind of reading the, the layer of the land. It's all about trying to predict what is going to happen. And, you know, you've got so many variables, you, you're just taking in a huge amount of data and processing it to try and come out with, you know, predict a bit of an outcome. Um, and it's it's the same. I think you can apply that to so many different sports, and you know, definitely the same for rallying. Yeah, and I mean, uh, the sport of downhill is has progressed. We've talked about the tracks, and I think some of the results that you're putting in. Um, I think there's more competition. I think it's a fact. I think sometimes a fifteenth now is incredibly close to a top five, which would give you confidence. But a fifteenth, the number fifteenth, doesn't f- make you feel confident, does it? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's, to me, the World Cups are just, you know, there's a lot more people trying to squeeze into the same results. You know, there's, 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 you know, there's 40 guys capable of getting that top 15, that top 20. And, you know, that just makes the racing so tight. It makes the, 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 the margins so tight. And, you know, it, it means any mistakes cost you so much more than they used to, which is, which is good for the sport. You know, I think it's sick to see and it, it makes me excited to, to be at a World Cup now. Yeah, let's fast forward a few years. Um, what does the future look like for G Atherton or or Atherton Racing post racing? Have you thought about? Oh, that? I wish I knew. Yeah, God knows. Yeah, I've, I think about it a lot, but I've no, you know, I, I've no idea. It's, I think, I think it's one of those things you can't predict. You know, you you can't really, you know. I'd love to have a a, a plan or black and white laid out, but I don't. And <clears throat> or all we've kind of done is is just made ourselves in a position where we've got like things we enjoy doing and, and things, things we want to be doing. And, you know, I think for me, the future, I want to be doing things that I'm in control of and I want to be doing things that I enjoy. You know, that's the main things, you know, I don't want to be having to, having to do something that I don't want to, you know, if you're getting up in the morning for something you hate, it's, that's not success, is it? So, you know, for me, I want to be doing something that's challenging me and, and something I want to be doing and I've got control of. So, you know, they're the, they're the main goals for the future, I think. Well, I mean, you've got this far, so I've got no doubt you're going to be able to do that in the future. And I heard a, a pretty good quote from someone we're having a conversation. I asked him about retirement or the future. And he said, um, if you're still racing, you shouldn't even be planning or thinking about that because it will detract from your current, you know, racing goals. And it sounds like you're in that position to just carry on with what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's 
for me, the racing is, is what I'm enjoying. You know, I want to be racing for the foreseeable future. And, you know, you can't be at World Cups with a thought. I'm, I'm winding down. I'm, I'm kind of think, looking at other things to do. And I'm just here to, 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 to kill some time and, and earn a few quid because you won't even qualify with that. You know, you've got to be there at the race and you've got to be, you know, in it heart and soul and, and going at it hard. And, you know, that's where I'm at right now. And I'm enjoying it. And I feel like I'm, I'm fast and, and still learning, you know, so that's, that's the main thing, I think. Well, gee, I'm playing a little game with some of the riders and, um, I want to build the perfect rider. And obviously you've been at the top of the sport, so you tick a lot of these boxes, but if you want to play along, uh, there's five categories. You can pick a rider once. So if you could take anyone's fitness and strength, who would it be? Probably have to put yourself in there. Um, yeah, fuck it. Let's put me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, cornering ability. Um, Ooh, Sam Hill. Jumping. Um, good. Jumping. Brendog. The old Brendog. Technical ability, you've used yourself. Unfortunately, I would probably put you in there because I've seen you ride some ridiculous lines. So someone else for technical ability, rocks, silly off-cambers lines. Uh, I'd say Troy. Troy's pretty uh, pretty neat with that stuff. He is too. Eh? He is a neat rider, but he's, he's, he's technically gifted. And then the uh, mental aspect, mental strength. Um, probably, uh, probably go Greg. Yeah, he's annoyingly good under pressure. I had a big chat to him. Yeah, he's... He's good at racing, isn't he? He is. I, I, I feel like some of that he's born with. I don't know what you think about... I, I know you can um, train things. You can train your fitness. You can train your mental. You can train everything. Do you think some of it you are born with, like uh, being good under pressure and, and mental ability? I think so. I think it's a way of... I think it's your the way you, you kind of approach things and process things. It's, it's your ability to be in a high-stress you know, nervous situation and still have that ability to coolly work through and, and calculate things and not kind of not get phased and not get distracted by the, the pressure of the situation. I would certainly agree. I think at a certain extent there's, you know, genes and, and a certain chemical balance in your brain and too much pressure for some people, it, it doesn't function normally. And and the other way, I've done a bit of reading on that, so I'd, I'd certainly agree on that. Gee, you've been so good with your time, and, and that was uh, more fun than, than I even imagined. It was good catching up, and uh, I appreciate oh, my you, pleasure, mate. Yeah, I appreciate you digging into some of those hard um, injuries you've had and the, the mental aspects that some <laughs> oh, writers and listeners, they had no idea what it's like to, to go through that. So, uh, yeah, thanks for your time. and Yeah, cheers, Needles. Take it easy, my man. Cheers, man. That was awesome. Thanks so much to G for making the time. Really enjoyed catching up with him and just kind of having an open conversation. Obviously, I raced alongside him for many years. And, you know, it's competitive, the races, so we're not always going to just have a frank conversation. I think there's a lot of nuggets that he shared. He is so dedicated. He's hardworking. And I think it takes a lot of mental strength, not just physically, to bounce back from those injuries. So thanks to him again. Cheers to you guys for downloading this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. And you know, one last thing, hope you can leave me a review. Give us a subscribe as well. And guys, until the next one, stay well.